Well, it's so good to be together this morning. And uh, as Gavin said, if this is your first time, whether tuning online or joining uh, today, Icon Church, like it's so good that we get to be together. And uh, it's amazing. We want to welcome you today. So come on, let's welcome everyone again. So amazing. While we're all stood and while uh, Ben, I said, nearly said, called Jake Ben then. And, um, but Ben's the better looking one. Um, I know, I know. I'm going to get in trouble for that. Um, but Joel, you can pick your sticks again because we got another praise report that Debbie forgot about. On Friday night, we had Youth Revival Night. And um, it was an amazing night, uh, like incredible. But we saw 32. Whoa, hold on. I'm waiting for the band. 32 young people make decisions for the very first time on Friday night. So amazing. It was an amazing night. Big shout out to all of our youth leaders. And uh, Jake, you're uh, definitely my favorite ahead of Ben now because you picked your guitar up. Ben would not have picked his guitar up to do it. Why don't you say hello to two or three people around you? Say hello in the chat as well. Uh, it's good to be together in church. Also, a big welcome to our Derby campus. Unfortunately, they're not able to meet in their venue today, but they're either joining us online or joining us at one of our campuses. So if you're joining us online, just a big hello to you. Uh, I'm going to get into this, and I'll give you the title of my message this morning. It's called Get a Grip. Why don't you tell the person next to you, get a grip. Uh, right, I'm going to... I'm going to read uh, like 18 verses, okay? And uh, yeah, we're going to read 18 verses to start off. So don't, don't switch off. Listen, it's two stories that I'm going to read, and they come uh, like one after the other. And I just think it's amazing that these stories are, are kind of together in the Bible. You'll find it in 2 Kings 6. I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read through to verse 18. It says this, The company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, where each of us can get a pole, and let us build a place there for us to live. And he said, Go. Then one of them said, Won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied, and he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick, threw it there, and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place because there are Arameans, I might say that right in the 11, Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? 
None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go, find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Have you ever been in a moment when you're carrying something and it's either become too heavy or you've begun to lose your grip? Like you've begun to lose your grip. Um, Many of you know, and if you don't know, uh, like uh, nearly, th- I think it's like three years ago now, I uh, ruptured my Achilles tendon and um, it took me a-, a long time to get back to normal. But uh, I was in pot and then I was in the moon boot. And, uh, but in the midst of that, we were moving house. In the midst of, like, it was literally the day we went to see our new house that was being built, to look around our new house that was being built. We went and looked around it. I went to play football in the afternoon, and that's when I ruptured my Achilles. Great timing, Nathan. And and, and so we're in the midst of moving house. I've had an operation. Uh, The house is ready. And, uh, like, the day we move house, or the week of our of us moving house is the week where I actually uh, get the boot off and I'm able to walk in normal trainers again with a slight heel raise. And, um, but I'm not allowed to do any heavy lifting. I'm not allowed to do any of that. And I would love to tell you that I didn't do anything. And I didn't for the first few days. We, we begged, borrowed people, borrowed their cars, Gavin Lloyd, we loaded his car up numerous times on those days. And I just stood there, sat there, and watched people carry all of my furniture. Except for the last day when we needed to be out of our house, into the new house. We had a few bits of furniture left. And I don't know why we'd done this, but we'd left, like, the wardrobes upstairs. And, and this is the day after... I've got the moon boot taken off, nothing, and uh, me and Debbie are trying to take these wardrobes downstairs. Now, how, how many of us know that when you're moving house, most of the furniture now that you have was flat pack, and so you built it. And so then, like, you think, well, we got it upstairs, and you forget that it was flat pack when you got it upstairs, and now you're trying to get it downstairs. And so here's me, and Debbie's like, do you want to be at the top or at the bottom? And I'm like, I don't know which one's better. Anyone know? Like, you know, it, it, it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? But there's moments as I'm going down the stairs that I'm losing my grip. 
There's moments where I'm going down the stairs thinking, I hope my Achilles holds up. I hope the surgeon did a good job here. And there's moments where I'm going, I'm losing my grip. I guess we can feel like that in life. Spiritually, we can feel like we've, we, we lose our grip in moments. We, it feels like life is slipping through our fingers. I don't know, even maybe the past week, you've seen your petrol feel like it's slipping through your fingers. And you're thinking, where am I going to get some petrol from or some diesel from? I drove past the garage the other day. It had diesel. I turned straight in. I was like, if there's a 30 pound limit, I'm putting 30 pound in. Um, because, yeah, there was a moment where I felt like my petrol was slipping through my fingers. But you might have been in a moment like I've been in many a times where you maybe talk to yourself and you just say, Nathan, get a grip. Well, you don't say Nathan because that's my name. Maybe you do say that. But there's the demands. And it, sometimes it just feels like life is slipping through my fingers. It, even in those moments, even in those moments, you can... Uh, like try and have good self-talk, but that good self-talk is in, it doesn't, it's not even enough. It still feels like life is slipping through my fingers. It still feels like I've got to get a grip. It, it reminds me, and I know this is going to be like, this is just how my brain works, but it reminds me of the movie Home Alone when Kevin McAllister is in the basement with the furnace and he's trying to tell himself the furnace is not evil. Like we've got a picture of the furnace that's coming out. He's trying to, hopefully that reminds you, he's trying to tell yourself, he's like this self-talk and it just doesn't work because the furnace is evil but what do you do when you feel like life is slipping what do you do when you feel like you're losing your grip I guess for many of us we think it's the big problems that cause us to lose our grip but actually it's the little things that can cause big problems the little things that stack on top of each other. It's the small things over and over again that can cause us big problems. The first story that I read is the story of an axe, a seemingly little thing. The axe, it's an axe head. It's seemingly a little thing. But if you listen to the guy's response as he loses the axe head, it's like, oh, my Lord, he cries out. There's this moment. Why? Because there was this accumulation of demands in that moment. It seems like a little thing, but he's stressed out. Why? Because he knows he's borrowed it. He's borrowed it from someone. This is somebody else's property. This is somebody else's. They've gave it. That means I'm going to have to pay for it. Maybe he borrowed it because he didn't have the money to buy his own. So he borrowed it because he wanted to do good and help the people. But in that moment, he loses the accent, which seems like a small thing. But now he's got to pay for it, even though he couldn't pay for one. You can see... <laughs> I relate that to my life sometimes. The little things just keep stacking up and stacking up. But also, he might even feel the uh, stress and the worry that I, I'm not able to help the build. I'm not able to help build this because I have lost the accent. Um, See, uh, in the Old Testament, in, in those days, there would have been laws uh, like around borrowing stuff. There are even laws around borrowing uh, animals. 
Let me just read one for you because I, 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 I know you don't believe me. It says this in Exodus 22 and verse 14. If a man borrows an animal for his neighbor and is injured or dies while the owner is not present, he, he must make restitution. Now, there, there were all these laws that went around, around borrowing things. Um, I, I noticed in the Old Testament as I was researching for this message that it seemingly that uh, back in those days they had problems with axe heads. No, they did. Deuteronomy 19 and verse 5. Let me read it for you. For instance, a man may go into the forest with his neighbor to cut wood, and as he swings his axe to fell a tree, the head may flay off and hit his neighbor and kill him. They had problems with axe heads. <laughs> like crazy. There's <laughs> obviously a problem with loose axe heads, but so this guy's panicking in this moment. I don't know if you can relate to that in your life, in moments where it feels like you're losing your grip. It feels like I'm panicking in this moment. Little things that are built up cause us to lose our grip. <laughs> Those little things. The other thing that I realize in this story is that bad things can happen when you're doing good. Bad things can, like that can cause us to lose our grip because we think we're doing good things and then something comes along and it feels like, no, that's a bad thing, but I'm doing a good thing. Like they had a problem. You know, if you go back to the story in Two Kings at the start of the story, it tells us that they had a problem where they were meeting was too small. And so uh, the guys come to Elisha and say, here's the problem. But they don't just come to Elisha with the problem. They say, here's a solution. And so this guy decides, I'm going to borrow an axe. I'm going to do good. I'm going to help them build what we need to build so we can make the meeting place bigger, so we can make this house bigger. But then a bad thing happens whilst he's doing good. Sometimes we underestimate the moments when we're doing good that actually there are moments that we receive some comeback on us. We, we kind of live in this karma-filled world that if I do, do good, then good will come back to me. And we become stunned, surprised. I know I have even horrified in moments where I'm doing a good thing and something bad just comes about. Anyone with me today? That it happens. Like, you know, we have an enemy who doesn't want us to do good things. And so sometimes those bad things can arise. So we, we, we may have made the decision, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to live a better way. I'm going to do something great. And all of a sudden, what happens is while doing the good, the bad thing comes about. We, we might even, I've experienced this in my life at times when, I, I, you know, I'm doing good and wanting to invite people to know Jesus. I'm talking to them and then all of a sudden something bad begins to happen. There are many times when we do good things that bad things happen whilst we're doing those good. And I, we can end up feeling like we're losing our grip. It's slipping through our fingers at times. And we end up asking the question, what have I done wrong? But I want us to flip that and ask the question, what am I doing right? What am I doing right today? You see, because bad things can happen when we're doing good. I think if you read the New Testament, you read any of Paul's letters, you, you, you hear, you know, you read the context of it. He, he's writing to people who are in, in the midst of persecution and he encourages them to keep doing good. 
Because many times when bad things happen, we can stop doing the good that we're called to do. Uh, another thing that I realized from this first story is this, that if it matters to you, it matters to God. I'm encouraged by the story of the, the axe head because it's a little thing. It's an axe head. It's a seemingly little thing, but God cared about the axe head. So much so that I'm reading a story about an axe head falling into water. Like how ridiculous does that sound? But I think it shows us that God cares about the little things in each and of our lives. And sometimes those little things we dismiss or we push away. Like I could liken the axe head falling in the water like your lost keys. God cares about your lost keys. Now you're all going to walk around with a wooden stick trying to get your lost keys to come to the surface, aren't you? You know, like, you know, your TV remote, when it's dropped down the side of the sofa, you're going to be there with a stick. Will it rise? Will it rise? That lost document, you know, the wheel of death on your computer. Ah, God cares. God cares. The stain on your favorite top. God cares. God cares about the little things. And I'm so thankful that God cares. The smallest things can cause us to lose our grip. It's the smallest things at times that can cause us to feel like life is slipping through our fingers. It can be the smallest things can just tip us over the edge to us having to be in that moment, Nathan, get a grip, like when there's no socks in the drawers that match together. It can be though, can't it? Yeah, let's just be real. It can be those moments where it feels like it's slipping through our fingers and God cares. If it's big to you, it's big to him. The next story that I read, it seems in total contrast because the next story I read, it, like it, it, it ends really well, but it's this moment where actually Elisha, it, like some assassins are coming to capture Elisha. That seems like a big thing. That's a huge thing. And that's next to a story of an axe head falling in the water. Seems like complete opposites. It's next to that moment. But how many of us know that God's in the little and in the big? That he's in all of it. And it might not seem a big deal to, you know, everybody else, but it might be a big deal to you. And I believe if it's a big deal to you, it's a big deal to God. Just think of you as a parent. You know, your kid comes in and, you know, like, you might tell the story to one of your friends and you're like, oh, it's not that much of a big deal. But when the kid comes in and they tell you the story, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And that's what God is like. So I, don't be worried about bringing those little things to him. You know, the Bible tells us to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. So there, there were some of my observations of that like story, but I was just thinking like there's some perspectives that we need that will help us to get a grip from these stories, that will help us to get a grip today. The first thing is this, that we have to treat everything in our hands as borrowed. Everything in your hand is borrowed. 
Like that moment when the axe head falls in the water, the first response is, oh my Lord, he cried out, it was borrowed. Like, this is not mine. I am so bad at swinging the axe that I have lost my friend's axe head. Now, I'm not sure you were so bad because it seems like from that Deuteronomy verse, there were like numerous problems with loose axe heads that moment. But we have to treat what I have as a gift. That what I have been given is a gift. Jesus talks about this in John 3 and verse 27. He, he says this, uh, sorry, no, this is John the Baptist's testimony about Jesus. And to this, John replied, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. We can only receive what is given us from heaven. We have to have a frame of reference in our life, a perspective in our life that life is a gift, that the very breath in our lungs is a gift from God. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 7 says this, it says, for who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? You see, when we have this place, when we have this frame of reference, when we have this perspective that everything in my hands is borrowed, is given as a gift from God, it takes us away from the place of bragging. It takes us away from the place of pride and ego. Like even the breath in our lungs, we get to celebrate and praise God for the breath in our lungs, whatever it looks like. For people in our world, some people have been given like Olympic talent. That doesn't mean like, oh, it's a gift. No, seek out that greatness. Seek out the greatness of the gift that God has given you. For others in our lives, we've been given different gifts, different purposes in life. Seek out those gifts. Seek out those purposes. Seek them out for yourself. Seek out that greatness in your life because whatever God has given us is for us to seek out. So work out what he's put in you. But remember, it was a gift. Don't forget, it was a gift. See, the beautiful thing is when something isn't working, when it's a gift, we get to give it back to the owner. You know, when warranties actually work and companies honor their warranties, it's a beautiful thing. I remember my iPhone not working, taking it into the Apple store. I was going to say there are other good phone products out there, but I'm not sure. Maybe there is. But I took it into the store, and they, it was like I'd given them back what they owned. And they took it, tried to fix it. And because they couldn't fix the problem, they gave me a brand new one. No charge. That's when warranties work really well. They take ownership. See, I love Jesus' promise that he said he will build his church. Now, we're called to build the church with him. But there are moments where, hey, we're trying to do everything we can do. And it can feel like we're losing. No, I'm going to go to Jesus. I've loved this week of prayer and fasting together as the church and doing that. Because it's been a moment where we've been able to go back to Jesus, focus our eyes on Jesus and say, no, Jesus, this is your promise. You'll build it. I'm bringing it to you. We're going to seek out the grayness. We're going to do everything that we can do. But we ultimately know this is a gift given from God that we get to do this together. 
You see, if it becomes mine and I have to earn it and I have to, and it becomes all about me and what I can do. But when I realize it's a gift, I go to God. I go to him every single time. The second thing is this from this story. God can help you recover what's been lost. You, you might be here today online, wherever you might be, and you might feel like you've lost something. You lost grip and you lost it. But God can help you recover that very thing that has been lost. See, Elisha, the guy comes to Elisha and says, you know, cries out to him. And Elisha's response is, where did you lose it? It was this moment of retracing the steps. Where did you lose it? Where did you lose your grip? Where did it become too heavy? Where, where did it happen for you in your life? Because he can help you recover what's been lost. God can help you get back what you've lost. He can help you get back what you've lost. Like to be, you know, just to be honest with us today, there have been moments during the last 18 months where I felt like I've lost passion and fervor and the very things that God has called me to do. It's felt like I've been losing my grip, but it's been amazing in my life to begin to get back those things that I felt I'd begun to lose. It's amazing when I go to God that it'll help me recover those very things that I was like losing my grip on. He will help you recover. But the amazing thing is this, that he doesn't just recover it, but he gives us new vision. He will give us new dreams. He will renew your strength. I don't know. I, I just felt as I was preparing this message that someone here today or someone listening online, that you felt like you've lost your grip on strength for life. But I want to declare over your life today that he will renew your strength. He will renew the strength that, that he has for you. And I love this story because... Elisha uses a stick to float the axe head. It's an incredible, like, it's a miracle that it happens, that that happens. But Elisha doesn't pick the axe head up and give him. The guy has to pick it up. You see, I love coming together and hearing God's word, but I think there's a responsibility when I hear his word. I've got to pick something up for my life. I've got to pick something up. He'll help me recover it. But there's a moment where I have to go, I've got to pick this up though and take it. I've got to pick this up and take this into my Monday. I've got to pick up the accent that I've lost. I've got to do it. And today is the day to pick it up. I love this. Um, as I was just thinking about this quote and God helping you recover what you lost. I love this quote from Oswald Chambers, which says this, Solitude with God repairs the damage done by the fret and noise and clamor of the world. Solitude with God repairs the damage done by the fret and noise and clamor of the world. Many times I can feel like I'm losing my grip because everything's going on. I can feel like I've lost it because of all the noise that's going on. And maybe today I've got to pick back up that relationship with God. I've got to pick back up those moments with God. I've got to pick back up the very thing because he'll help me recover what I've lost. Today is time to pick up that very thing that has been lost, that God is revealing to you. And the last thing is what comes in the second story. And it's this, what we can see is not all that there is. What we can see is not all that there is. 
See, the first story, seemingly insignificant moment, but speaks to us so well. And then you've got this second story where the servant again cries out, Oh, my Lord, but here's all the people. Here's all these horses and chariots. The assassins, they're coming to take you away. And Elisha's response is so powerful. He he says, don't be afraid. I love it. I I don't know if the guys, I I didn't prep them for this, but I wonder if they could put back up. And I'm going to find the verses. Uh, 2 Kings uh, 6 and verse 16. Elisha says this, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You see, servant, what you can see is not all that there is. What you can see today is not all that there is. And I, I want to say over your life and my life, what we can see is not all that there is. I have a, I have a like, I always have this statement that I say loads of times when I'm speaking because I truly believe it. God is doing more in the background than I can see in the foreground. God might be doing more behind my back than I can see in front of my face because what I can see is not all that there is. But I believe there are moments, moments of faith, moments of hope, moments where God will help us to see what we can't see. Help us to see what we can't see. You see, Elisha's prayer was not one of, okay, God save us. It was one of, no, would you help my servant to see the very things that he can't see? Would you help him to see the chariots of fire? Would you help him to see that you're with us and that you're for us? Would you help us help him to see, as Romans would put it, that if God is for us, what can stand against us? Would you help him to see today? God is not asking us to pretend what we're up against. He's not asking us to deny what we're up against. He's not angry to, at you for what's happening in your life. He, you know, what you may be feeling, what you may be seeing. He's not angry at you. What you can see is real, but it's not all that there is. There's more going off that you can see. The real reality is God's kingdom that his kingdom is at work, that his kingdom is advancing, that his kingdom is moving forward. The, the real reality today is his power is evident in the church. We see praise reports and miracles. 32 young people making a decision on Friday night. It's the power of God at work in and through us as a church. His plan for our lives, he's outworking it. We have to keep walking in it. It's the reality of his kingdom. And the prayer is, would he see past the soldiers? Would he see past the problem? Would he see that there are more with us than against us? There are more with us than against us because they're always there. We have a choice. We can either give up or we can look up. And I want to say to us today, let's look up. Let's ask God to open our eyes. Let's ask God to show us the things that we cannot see. Let's walk in faith, knowing that he has more for us.